Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is one of the house magicians from the Chicago Magic Lounge. Justin Purcell joins me for a talk of magic, meaning, and conditioning the audience to accept your reality. Nick Lacapo stops by the studio to discuss the feature download of the week from Richard Osterlin. Before all that, we start off with one of our quickfire segments. Listeners always want to know the favorite tricks of their favorite magicians. This week, two-time Foolish performer Siegfried Tieber joins us for the top five under five. Siegfried Tieber, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the top five under five. Let's hear top five tricks in under five minutes, and these can be in no particular order, but hit me with number five. Number five. Goodness, I didn't think about those in order. <laughs> I would go for shuffleboard. Oh, I shuffleboard. Shuffleboard, great performance piece, and also very, very versatile. Throughout the years, I have experimented with different versions of it. Currently, I perform a twist on it that involves a lottery ticket in which cards are shuffled face up into face down Mm -hmm. and they end up matching the number on a lottery uh, ticket because then again the method is so versatile and so strong yeah the uh for those of you who are unfamiliar with this uh there's many different versions of it but cards are essentially shuffled face up into face down and then the face up cards are noted and usually the order is reflected in a prediction somewhere uh like a lottery ticket as siegfried mentioned and this is um simon aronson published this correct uh, yeah. And I can't remember exactly where he published it, but I know that uh, Curtis Cam covers it in his Penguin Live lecture. It's covered a lot in Penguin Live over and over again. If you look up Shuffleboard, it comes up all the time. Yeah. Uh, Aronson originally published it as a manuscript uh, called Shuffleboard, but That's right. now it's in Bound to Please. It is in Bound to Please, which is sitting on my shelf. That's because I referenced it recently. Okay, Shuffleboard, fantastic start to this list. Hit me with number four. Number four, Neither Blind Nor Silly by Juan Tamaris, mm-hmm. in which two playing cards from a deck are selected and found under the most impossible of conditions. You performed a version of this on Fool Us, didn't you? Yes, that was my first appearance on Fool Us. So that performance piece definitely has a special place on my card, but I think it's a fantastic, fantastic piece. I, what I did in Full Assist, granted, my twist on it, but I took Tamarice's genius piece 90% as it was, and I adapted it to me. But it's a masterpiece. It's a it's a great piece that people should look into. Um, and I, he's published a few different versions of it over the years, I believe. It's, it's one of those things like oil and water that he keeps sort of coming back to over and over again. Excited, absolutely. Joby tackles that in his light, Furious. I believe it's in the does. very first uh, book, Card College Light Fair. Yes. I think it's there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Excellent. Uh, yes, uh, another wonderful trick. Let's keep this moving. Hit me with number three. Cutting to the Aces. Any and every version of Cutting to the Aces, I think that the plot of that piece is fantastic, is essentially what conveys the meaning and symbolism of playing cards. It uses a deck of playing cards in its purest form. If we as magicians could really truly manipulate playing cards, mm-hmm. chances are we would want to profit out of it. There are moral implications aside, of course, Yeah. but I like the idea of being able to, creating the illusion of cutting 
twenty-one-eighth out of an apparently randomly shuffled deck of cards. I completely agree with you. I, I know that in my competition piece, uh, it actually begins with ace cutting, and, and there's so many wonderful versions of it. Like uh, Marla's estimation, aces is is really great and fairly accessible for the beginner of magician. Uh, the Henry Christ's fabulous ace, ace cutting routine uh, that I know Ben Earl has touched on a number of times. But there's so many wonderful ace cutting routines, and coming up with your own is a lot of fun. Yes, exactly. I personally perform three completely different versions of cutting to the aces, mm -hmm. in one of which I do all the work, in one of those a participant does everything. In another version, I find two aces, a participant finds two aces, but I, yeah. you're absolutely right. There are many variations and it's also a very versatile piece. Let's move on to number two. Number two would be out of this world because... Oh out of this world masterpiece also many many versions and variations of it yeah the, the the original one from paul curry which i know is published in worlds beyond i mean the legend has it you know so the spectator sorting aces the the red cards and the black cards from a shuffled deck is what captivated winston churchill and brought world war ii to a standstill and i don't care if that's true i want to live in a world where a card trick could stop a war yes sir i i, I decide to believe that story all right, number one. Number one has to be any card at any number. I love the plot. I've experimented with different versions of it throughout the years. My go-to versions are uh, the Albaker version, which Tamaris covers in Mnemonica, and Asi Wins version, which, which is also genius. Awesome. And uh, my recent Full last appearance also features a strange twist of any card at any number. So that that piece has a, also a, a, a place in my heart, a special place in my heart. There's a lot of really great variations on card at number, whether the spectator names a number and the spectator names a card and you find the card at that number. It seems so straightforward, but it, there's it's got inherently built-in drama where people are just like waiting for you to count to that number, and then the moment that card turns over, just all of that energy gets released. And Aussie wins in particular is really beautiful to watch, uh, and yours is definitely something people listening to this should check out on Fool Us. It was great. Thank you very much. I agree with the inbuilt drama. Something, if you've experimented with any card at any number, you know that if they say, if they name number four or seven or eight, it's not that great of a trick. Yeah. If they name 37, there's so much tension building to it. And when that is released, it has a big impact. It has the potential, at least, to have a strong impact. It's, it's well worth anybody learning, and there's a lot of great versions to check out. Well, Siegfried, Tiber, those are some fantastic tricks. Thanks so much for joining us on the Top 5 Under 5. Thanks to Siegfried Tiber for sharing his top five tricks with me. Links to some of my favorite versions of those are in the show description below. Now, on to the main event. Justin Purcell is one of the house magicians at the Chicago Magic Lounge. His sublime sleight of hand mixed with a true appreciation for the classics allows him to create magic that not only is visually stunning, but also has an emotional connection with the audience. Justin has a passion for imbuing his magic with meaning, a philosophy which he shared with me when he came to our studio, and now you get to join our conversation. Justin Purcell, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I really enjoyed working with you in Chicago when I had an opportunity to go to the Chicago Magic Lounge. You and actually, I worked the same week. You were in the in the 
the main theater, the, the parlor sort of stage yeah. theater. And I was back in the close of a room in the 654 Club. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've always liked about your work is that you apply a lot of meaning to it and you make the magic very meaningful, even when it's something as silly as three rubber balls. Yeah. Uh, is meaning is something that you have spent a lot of time on with your magic. Can you maybe expand on that a little for our listeners? Yeah, I uh, I think this, I really started thinking about this stuff reading Eugene Berger, um, and he would talk about, you know, magic can be a stunt. He, he said, you know, somebody could, you could balance a chair on your nose and stop a party. Everyone's amazed. Like, oh, wow, that's cool. But magic is something as a concept is more, I mean, magic means a lot. And I think trying to find what it means to you as a magician is kind of the hardest part, like Mm -hmm. what it means to you, because it is all based around mystery. Right. So it's, it is hard. It's, you know, ineffable. Yeah. There's, um, I was reading, I actually like literally yesterday, I just finished reading, uh, the Jamie Ian Swiss book, Mm -hmm. uh, Sh- uh, shattering illusions, oh, shattering illusions yeah. and it's in shattering illusions there's one of these essays that he he talks about how difficult it is to explain what magic means for you yeah. it's something that i've wrestled with for man uh, over a decade now yeah. once i started thinking in those terms it's it's still i think i've got a closer answer for myself but it's still very difficult to explain my relationship with it because it is because you are right ineffable is the correct word yeah because it's um, and, it, and magic means a lot of different things, but mm-hmm. I think I, I agree with like, like Max Maven says it's the, the, um, the art of exploring aesthetically mystery. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty close, you know, yeah. but, but yeah, but then the question is why is mystery so important to you? And I don't know. I just think life's a mystery and yeah, I, part part of it for me is that I, I find that the universe that we live in is just intensely fascinating in and, you know, by itself. It's mm-hmm. just amazing, right? So, like, when I hear people, you know, like, conspiracy theories to me are, mm-hmm. are very uninteresting because it because it, conspiracy yeah. theory to me applies that the person finds the universe boring or the, yeah. the world we live in boring. And, and the truth is, if you look at anything long enough, right, it is intensely fascinating. And yep. I, I think... There's something about mystery itself that that uh, is, um, I don't know, is is fascinating. Well, it's fundamental to the human condition. Yeah, mystery, but also just the emotions that come with it um, are so strong, but they're constantly subdued by our rational minds. You know, we we're all constantly trying to pick apart. We're trying to find meaning, and like you're talking about the conspiracy mm-hmm. theories, yeah. those people are trying to make up these elaborate plans mm-hmm. as if I, I know people, people can't plan that well. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like people can't get like, people can't organize, you know, a carpool, let yeah. alone these vast conspiracies. But the idea is, yeah, we're all, always looking for patterns. That's how we evolved. And yeah. And, uh, and something about like magic is sort of, especially because a lot of magic uh, routines are, this is the way this works. And so you sort of click in your brain and you go, Oh, okay, that makes sense. But then suddenly in a in a well constructed magic trick, this obvious explanation is suddenly completely and totally contradicted. Yeah, exactly. And then you're trapped. And that, but what that causes to happen is an emotion to escape, an yeah. emotion that you can't sort of control, and um, is usually kind of tamped down. 
but, and it's a very beautiful emotion and it, it can be an excited emotion. It can be, it's strange though, that that it is this specific feeling that's linked to mystery Mm -hmm. and that we crave, but yeah, that, that's the part that's hard to explain. And I think that's what's what you're, what I'm always trying to tap into. I Mm -hmm. think any performer is which is which is interesting because so the three ball trick that you do is you know sort of the classic you know the balls in the net or or three rubber balls is an interesting study in this because there is a lot of meaning inside of this trick and you said something in another recording that we did uh that was about how the this particular trick is designed to wear down the rational brain yeah and so you're sort of using small moments of wonder and small moments of mystery to then yeah condition someone's mind for a greater mystery to be to right. be beheld as, uh, as, yeah for lack of a better term it's funny i don't you really use like i don't imagine although i have had laymen come up and say that that's their favorite trick it's rare mm-hmm. that a layman is like man that trick with those rubber balls was amazing mm-hmm. you know yeah. magicians say they like it because they like they can appreciate the handling yeah. but the reason i use it is because is to draw interest and to trap the the rational mind mm-hmm. Um, in order for, yeah, greater mystery, more memorable mysteries. You're setting the stage, sort of. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show was brought to you by Al Coran's Gold Medallion, presented by Richard Osterland. Nick LaCapo joined me in the studio to discuss this legendary piece of mentalism. Nick, when I say mentalism, you say... I mean, I'm looking for the joke, but I don't have it. Uh, but I do want to say Richard Osterlin. Right? That's that's correct. Okay, we're talking about Richard Osterlin. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of great names when it comes to mentalism, but Richard Osterlin is... He's always been, and he presented a bunch of Al Coran tricks and some like lost classic series by a few different people. And the gold medallion was one of the standouts. Man, the gold medallion's got some history. I, I don't, you know, like when I got into magic and mentalism, for whatever reason, this effect had like a lot of like lore and legend behind it. And if you're not familiar, this is a piece that Al Coran would do on stage where he would show this golden medallion to his audience. And then he'd ask his audience to name out uh, three digits, three, three numbers, and he'd write them down. So you could, you know, we kept track of them. So in this example, let's say 495. And then he'd bring a spectator up on stage and say, okay, these are the numbers you guys came up with. Hey, remember this gold medallion that's been sitting here? I want you to turn over to the other side. On the back side of it, engraved into that medallion is the numbers... 495 and then the spectator picks it up looks at the back of the medallion and engraved into that medallion is those numbers miracle and you know and Eric I don't know if you've ever seen this but I think it's on YouTube right now you can you can see a clip of of Koran performing this stand up yeah it's uh I, I, isn't it it's on uh it, it's not on the Tonight Show, isn't it? Like on the no, Ed Sullivan yeah, Show, some, or something like that. And like the I Colgate just, Comedy Hour, or something yeah. like that. It's a very old clip, but I have seen this. Yeah, and it gets gasps. Well, and, and it's funny, and maybe we take it an extra second here just to talk about this because, like, I didn't realize. You know, I, I hear the name Koran all the time, and I read this stuff, but I just, I just didn't realize he was a showman. You mm-hmm. know, and I mean, I don't know why I would have thought otherwise, but like, watch this clip because. You'll see how this is supposed to be done, and he's got like a little like Sinatra into him, like a little mm-hmm. Dean Martin, like a little Rat Pack in him. And anyway, so what are you going to learn on this uh, download with Richard Oslin? Look, to perform this effect, there's a lot. There's while the method is very simple, anybody can do this trick. There's just so much nuance that goes into it, and we're so thankful that like Richard took the time 
to uh, not only perform this, so when you get the download, you're going to see a modern live performance of it, but he's also going to go into all the little beats and moments and things that you're going to need to know to make this play. Because I, I can't dive into the secret here on this, but this is just one of the most... Um, it's one of the most fascinating secrets. And you know, you, you'll learn the further you get into mentalism, you'll find more and more stuff like this, that you're, when you learn it, you're like, there is no way that that works, but it does. And uh, you're going to learn all of those subtleties on this download with Richard Osterlund. That was Al Coran's gold medallion presented by Richard Osterlund available at penguinmagic.com. As always, our listeners can get 25% off the featured download of the week when they enter the promo code PenguinPod at checkout. That's PenguinPod, P-E-N-G-U-I-N-P-O-D for 25% off this amazing piece of mentalism. Now, that code is only good until the next episode of this show airs. And if you pick it up and send me a review via Instagram, I'll read it on the air. Now, back to my conversation with Justin Purcell. Although I have had laymen come up and say that that's their favorite trick. It's rare that a layman is like, man, that trick with those rubber balls was amazing. You know, yeah. magicians say they like it because they like they can appreciate the handling. Yeah. But the reason I use it is because is to draw interest and to trap the, the rational mind mm-hmm. um, in order for, yeah, greater mystery, more memorable mysteries. You're setting the stage sort of. Yeah. And also just uh, for the, the comedic. It's, it's sort of a patter trick, you know, it's a, it's a comedic kind of trick. But sort of getting back to that, like, idea of meaning in magic, it's mm-hmm. it's applying a different kind of meaning when you do that. Because it's, yeah. it is, it, the the meaning behind the trick is this sort of creating a conditioned response and, and, and yeah. setting, setting up the mind for uh, being able to react to something that is, that is significantly stronger. Yeah. And, and that... That mean there's there's a different kind of meaning there that is equally as important as sort of the you know like an everywhere and nowhere a big slam dunk fuck you like yeah. you know smash in the brain trick. Yeah. So what I think about uh, this is uh oh police are coming. Yeah. No. It's uh okay. Yeah. I'm, apparently, when you talk about the three ball trick for too long in Columbus, they uh yeah. they they get at you because they don't they don't want that yeah. secret out there. No. Uh, <laughs> for me though, it's it's. Uh, yeah, you're you're conditioning the you're you're conditioning your version of reality. I guess that's the other thing too. I'm just trying oh, to I like that. I like assert, that phrase conditioning your version of reality. I'm conditioning the audience to accept my version of reality. That's how I use a lot of those con game kind of tricks mm-hmm. in a playful way. You're asserting that your will because a magician asserts their will mm-hmm. on, on things. I mean, that's sort of the definition of a magician that your will uh, on of manipulating these objects is what happens. And it, it's sort of by your will, not even by anything that you physically do. So I, I'm trying to condition the audience just to believe that mm-hmm. using the simple props. And then, you know, you might move on to something like, you know, pneumonicosis yeah. or yeah. lemon or these other more baffling tricks, you know, you're more willing to believe that this person might have powers over money and yeah. fruit and food and, and these like these sort of like visceral yeah. elements in our world if first they can prove that they can exert yeah. their will over a simple rubber ball exactly which is the simplest of objects you know like mm-hmm. a rock or like it's just something you know inert. Yeah. and it's funny because i like to focus on props in particular that are like symbolically interesting in magic mm-hmm. like i like to think of the things that are on the tarot cards like you know a knife, the mm-hmm. coins, if you consider the pentacles coins, mm-hmm. or, you know, I, I try to use, I try not to use any other kind of props, but a ball mm-hmm. does make it by because it is such a simple object, you know? 
Yeah, there is a when when I sort of examine the the work that you do that I'm familiar with, it is it is a really relatively simple subset of props. Yeah. And you may be dealing with fantastical concepts, but you're not you're not introducing anything that is uh, um, complex. Yeah. I think is is uh, the way I would put it. There's none of these props are like overly complex. Even if like the cups that you use, the Okito box that you use, the coins that you use are inherently beautiful objects, but they are not complex objects. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just I'm trying to get people in the moment, so I don't want mm-hmm. them to be distracted thinking too much about mm-hmm. props and you know. When you go to work on a new uh, routine or a new piece, where do you look for meaning in it? Or does the meaning reveal itself to you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Yeah, I just, I try and think of why I'm interested in it. Yeah, Mm kind of like I think you were talking about earlier with the Aikido box and this, like, why are you... What fascinates you about it? Yeah, that's, yeah, let's actually return to that. What is it about, because... I am fascinated by cards. I do a little bit of coin magic, and, and I own an Okito box in theory somewhere. Yeah, uh, but, right. Some but, I've, but I've never like really. I've never been fascinated by it enough to to really focus on it and want to develop a routine. What is it about the Okito box that? For me, it's it's the object that does the magic, like the fantasy of like the magic store, mm-hmm. and you go and you get an interesting thing that just does magic on its own, like a Tenyo prop or something, you know. And trying to communicate some of the interest of that, like when you're a kid and you go to the magic store, I, to me it's more, it's not the Aikido box itself. I, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the memory of the guy showing me the quarter squeeze. Oh, yeah. Where the quarter, it's just a one ahead and the quarter goes through the middle of the block. Yeah. And I think he even did it poorly and like flashed the last coin at the end. <laughs> but I was still just like, for some reason there was something so fascinating about that little one ahead sequence while the coin was just popping through, you know, one at a time. And, yeah, and you like, uh, yeah. It's just, but that feeling, like, I think you think back to your early feelings of magic, and I do remember standing across a magic counter and a guy just demonstrating, like, here's a little thing you can buy. Uh, mm-hmm. Coins go through it. Look, and it's like it's pointless, but you're just like, whoa, this thing is fascinating, and it's just a, a little piece of brass. I don't know what you know. I feel like I had a similar experience with nickels to dimes. Yeah, where it is, yeah, man. The, little, the the prop is like. Yes, the idea of doubling money is fascinating, but that's sure. not what got me. It was the the simplicity of this like weird little brass cap. Yeah, that was just the object itself was very fascinating to look at and didn't make a lot of sense to me. Right, which is sort of the opposite of what you what we were just talking about, like oh, motivated yeah. props and all this kind of stuff, like props that have magical, but like it's almost just like a nonsensical prop, like a little mm-hmm. cylindrical container. Yeah, so it's sort of the exception that proves the rule to me. It's like a fascinating. The prop itself, you know, I try to imbue with with magic and meaning, but I think people quickly see through that as a mm-hmm. as a red herring, or as a MacGuffin, I guess you'd call it, or a red herring. That that uh, yeah, it's it's a motivation for magic. Yeah, it seems like it's easier to apply meaning to an effect that doesn't have like it, this. Sort of reinforces what we were talking about earlier is that like while this particular pro- like what we're looking for is the fascination with the prop and and uh, and and that. 
our attraction to this unusual object and how it does these things. But we're taking, we're trying to take that feeling and then apply it to an effect like everywhere and nowhere, which can be done basically with a deck of cards and nothing else. Right. And we want it. We want to recapture this feeling from the qu- the quarter squeeze and yeah. apply that feeling to something where there is no prop to distract people, so we can concentrate on that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, and bring people along with you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think if you feel it yourself, that's the hardest thing. Is, um, or yeah, it's like playing music. It's just hard to like be good enough at it to like allow yourself to feel the emotions that you're trying to communicate. And if you can feel those emotions and that excitement and that that feeling, then it hopefully will communicate to your audience better, put them in that state. Now you're from Chicago, um, and I know you you met Eugene Berger a number of times when you were uh, when you were in Chicago. Do you feel like this sort of uh, approach to meaning and magic is rather pervasive through the Chicago scene, or or it just uh, well, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people, I, yeah, it's interesting. There's different schools of thought, but yeah, there's there's sort of the more theatrical side. Like, I, it's funny. I don't want to call Eugene Berger theatrical, but he mm-hmm. but he had a, an element of theater to him, mm-hmm. um, even though he was a very practical close up worker. You know. And, but there's also just that school of Chicago close-up magic where it's just literally like bang, 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 yeah. like, do chop cup and leave. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's still like a thing, you know, like yeah, I, that, I was... that restaurant magic. But like the idea that, that you can turn that and make that a little more theatrical uh, like Don Allen, you mm-hmm. know, did and for Eugene Berger. And then Eugene Berger kind of explained to this younger generation. But um but yeah, I think I think there's still a school of thought of that there because there is just so much theater mm-hmm. in Chicago, and, yeah, and improv and theater and all this kind of stuff that people tend to to focus on the what's the actual entertainment value, and it is, you know, what people actually care about, you know, magic. It's uh, it's it's interesting and like and I feel like you and I are going to end up talking about meaning and magic like many many times in the future because it's uh it is an area of interesting focus and magic and uh i just wanted to thank you for coming on the podcast to to talk about that mm-hmm. and uh and and thanks so much for coming to columbus yeah my pleasure thanks for bringing me out here that's gonna do it for this week kids thanks to justin for being on the show and thanks to you for listening just as a heads up for you regular listeners the deal of the show is going to change soon we have some big physical products they're going to be getting some big discounts you're going to want to keep an ear out for those because i know it's on the list and we have some killer deals headed your way next week on the show my guest needs very little introduction because he gave everyone everywhere the ability to shoot fire out of their sleeves Adam Wilbur is on the show. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform where you complain about how bloody hot it is outside. If you'd like to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, please send a dish of mint chocolate chip ice cream to me because this office is too hot! But if mailing dairy-based sweet treats to your favorite podcaster isn't one of your summer fun time games, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs>